0: So I'd like to continue with this theme of um, working with judgments and spend um, a good part of the time, the first part of the time, really reviewing some of what I explored last time, what we explored last time. How many people were not here last time? Okay, well, so that will be helpful. <laughs> and uh, I'll do a review of last time and then expand some on the, on the actual tools for working with judgments. So, I'll cover some of the territory that we did last time, particularly. Uh, t- I'll talk a little bit about just the definition of judgments what are judgments, what's their nature, uh, and then how do we work with them? And cover that and expand on some of the tools and leave a fair amount of time for us to share together about how we've worked with judgments in the last week. So, maybe it is good, uh, following your question, to really say something at the beginning about the about the linguistic aspects and the definition because you're right we use the word judgment and judge all the time in multiple ways and there's a lot of attention nowadays about you know choosing one of the supreme judges of the country <laughs> you know and and so and who who will be counted upon to give many judgments you know, and, and and so the word is obviously used in many ways. It's used, we use it uh, to refer to quite neutral uh, observations or insights, or you know, to say we 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 sometimes use the word judgment just to say it looks like it's sunny today. We 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 use, in English we sometimes use the language that's a judgment. We also. Uh, can use it in a way that uh, is evaluative you know that person is crazy, and the kind of judgments that we are particularly focusing on here are the kind that have charge the kind I think they were the kind that small number of judgments that you talked about that you want to work with that 's really what the focus is here it 's not focusing so much on the the um, judgments or, you know, the, what, the uh, critical perspectives or the observations or the noticing of something being the case. All of those we sometimes use the word judgment for, but that's not really what I'm talking about here, although it's related, because the kind of judgments that have a charge, that have um, some kind of energy for us, and I'm particularly focusing on uh, negative judgments, Of the kind either of self or other, I think there there are very much positive judgments that also have a lot of charge, you know. Where I think, oh, that's really really good, and you know, and that's me, or I did, you know, I did really good, or that person is that's wonderful, beautiful, and it can be also quite charged. But we seem to notice, and the kind that are probably certainly for me and for many of us most challenging are judgments which are negative, which have a. a, significant charge and which uh, often are quite harsh and we notice ourselves emotionally being reactive. And so if I if we would look and say look at our experience and ask what are the signs of something like that latter kind of judgment? How do we know that there, that that's a judgment rather than just saying it's a pretty day today. You know or, or um, that person is uh, a little bit unstable. I don't know if I'll want to go on a vacation with that person for a month. <laughs> you know, we can have that kind of statement without a lot of charge, right? And so we're particularly looking for the the uh, the charged kind of judgments. And I think you know we could actually express probably probably express them in a sentence. Uh, and it could the same sentence could be an observation an evaluation, and a very charged statement for us. So I don't think there's anything particularly in the words, but it's more the charge. And so how do we actually notice that judgments are present? Uh, we notice some degree of reactivity on our own part. I think we often can notice that there's a tremendous amount of repetition in our minds. You know, that, that's, that's a good sign that something's charged. You know that, there, that there's some degree of repetition in the mind that we're repeating something over and over again, and that could be a sign that there's some um, significant emotional energy or reactive energy there. And I think often we also feel it in the body. We notice that there's something that in some ways is um, uh, bothering us quite a lot or something that's really affecting us. So I think those would be some of the signs for the, the kind of judgments that I'm talking about here. That we're, that we're really exploring. Would, would any, uh, uh, anyone else like to add any ways that you know that something is that that kind of charge judgment? Any signs that you know that this it's, it's a charge judgment rather than a, as it were, more neutral observation? Please. I think
1: when you try and get other people to see it from your point of view too, yeah. when you try and get um, back up for your...
0: When you have a lot of energy to have agreement about your judgment. <laughs> okay. Any other signs of there being something that's more charged? Please, June? This actually might
2: be a judgment, but is it loud in
1: here? (laughs) It is a little bit loud. (laughs) That wasn't a judgment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It could become a judgment. (laughs) Um, Anyone else want to say something about how do you know that This is something to work on, as opposed to just something a neutral observation. Please. When I say to
1: myself, I don't like
0: this. Yeah. The reactive. Yeah. Noticing the reactive quality, which might come from saying, I don't like this. You know, why is this happening? What else? What other kinds of words do you say to yourself that let you know that it's a judgment? You can't say that. Then you really know. You can't, okay. That blankety-blank, blank, blank, blank. blank. Okay, so we have blankety-blank type language Okay, is a a good sign of judgment. And you wouldn't just go out and say, oh, it's such a nice blankety-blank, blank, blank, blank blank (laughs) kind of day out there. Okay. So, there we go. Any, anything else? Any. But, the, but This is good, you know. So, it's the kind of language, what's in our body, our sense of reactivity. That's how we know that there's something There's something that we need to work on, that there's something we can work Anything else? Please.
1: Um, in relationship to a conversation with a person, when the judgment comes up, and it's, it's harsh or critical. Mm-hmm. I feel myself inside turning away from them. Mm-hmm. And, and Eye contact drops and Mm -hmm.
0: like I want to go away. Mm -hmm. Right, very, very good. So there's something that lets you know that something... uh, Last time I talked about judgments as being, in a way, part of a defense mechanism, part of a way that we're trying to shield ourselves, protect ourselves from some experience. And so when we find ourselves having a judgment and having that dictate certain uh, body movements, actions, withdrawal from a situation, you know you know, I'm not going to watch that person on television anymore, you know, or whatever. Please. a conversation with
2: a person and you tell them that they're being a little judgmental, but he's just saying that I'm just expressing my own opinion. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to, you know, make, uh, uh, to explain to them that actually it's not, you know, how do you discern a strong opinion between a
0: judgment? Mm-hmm. Some people can't see that. Yeah, yeah. And, and part of the reason we're doing that work is, is, first of all, to do it ourselves. We have to really do that work in ourselves. And it's, it's. I think a lot of what we explored last time was saying that the territory that we're calling judgments, in that, in that limited way that I've defined, that we've explored just now, that there, it's connected with a lot of unconscious material. It's, and and last time I tried to. Suggest and based on my own experience with an invitation for you to look at your own experience, that judgments of this charged reactive nature are essentially ways of covering over unacknowledged pain that we have and um, creating a kind of defense so we don't have to deal with the unacknowledged pain. And so I'll, I'll... unpack that, explain that in just a moment, but that would be to say that if there's a lot of unconscious material connected with judgments, it would be predictable that a lot of people don't acknowledge that there's actually charged material there because they're not even quite aware of it. We know for ourselves that part of the work of, of looking at judgments is to bring what's hidden, the more unconscious material, into our observation. This is generally what we do in the mindfulness practice, in the meditation practice, we invite what's present to come to be there, and over time, a lot of what has been a little bit beneath the threshold of awareness, both the painful aspects and the beautiful aspects, come out. I think we know that from our practice, if we, especially if we've done retreats. And so for another person, to, uh, for you to feel there's a charge and the other person not to acknowledge it would, be, would often be the case, and we can see that in ourselves often. Yeah, maybe last one, and then I'll move
1: on. Yeah, I just have a, um, and you may address this. Yeah. Tell me to shut up if you are going to. But, okay. Um, in relation to that, and the um, defenses that come up, um, I'm in a situation right now where I'm really trying to deal. It's huge yeah. judgment, but it's also a sense of betrayal. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. You know, there's a judgment, but there's also a truth to it. And right. I'm totally turning away and putting up a wall, but I'm really trying. There's part of it that feels like a healthy. Yeah boundary of I need to not be in that energy yeah. and, and I need to not let you into my heart right now. Yeah. Because my old pattern was just the defense and, you know, go out and have fun and pretend it didn't happen. But yeah. it's like I'm feeling it but also have that distance. So yeah. I'm really exploring that subtle difference and I'm interested to hear what you have yeah. to say about the difference between yeah. the, you know, kind of defense and the healthy sort of I need to, you know, mm-hmm. keep that
0: at a distance yeah, right now. yeah. I'll 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 bring that in. That is an important point. Yeah. Um, to, just to say, the long-range work I believe that we do with judgments is that we discern, we we separate the intelligence of judgments from the reactivity. Mm-hmm. We do that over time, and and that's hard work, and that that permits us to use the intelligence more on the basis of compassion than on the basis of reactivity. And so that could mean concretely that when you can be in touch with your judgments, you're able to discern, oh, I really need this, and I need to do this, but I don't need to do this and damn the other person. I can take care of myself without having this incredible charge towards the other. And that would be the distinguishing work that that in the long run I believe we do with judgments. And I'll I'll say more about that. So let's just remind ourselves of some of our judgments. So take just a moment and consider some judgments which you've observed in the last week. And this is for yourself. I will ask people to say a few of them, but... You don't need to unless you want to, so this can be the blankety-blank type version of judgments. So consider some of the judgments that have been present. Could be of yourself, could be of another person, could be of a public figure, could be of something that, someone that you actually don't know personally. So I'd like to, again, hear a few judgments to give us our reminder that, this, that we're working in a laboratory. <laughs> that, we are, that, we're, that we are working with these all the time. Would anyone like to mention some of your judgments? And please.
1: Um, I think the one that's most volatile for me is when someone does something... Dangerous on the highway hmm. to other people. Hmm. You know, um, cutting across one of those solid
0: lines. You know, mm-hmm. where you're not supposed to, and into traffic where you're not hmm. expecting. It so a judgment be. of someone who does something clearly, obviously dangerous in traffic others. to others in traffic, and and you find yourself making a judgment, perhaps with the blankety blank language. <laughs> okay. Has anyone else ever done that? <laughs> just a few, a handful. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyone else? Please. Um, when I was at the gym this morning, yeah. there was a woman and she was so hyper, I thought, oh God, she must have had 10 cups of coffee before coming in. <coughs> and I was like, <laughs> that woman had ten, at least 10 cups of coffee and she is so hyper. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, not, I'm being careful about getting really totally into the energy that <laughs> might have been there, but I'll just mention that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, please, I can't. Oh, I can't see your hand yet. Um, a new pastor who tells people that they're worshiping wrong. That you're judgmental towards the pastor who's yeah. who's uh, judgmental towards others. <laughs> okay. Okay. Is that is that fair? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> please.
2: Mm-hmm. I'll be watching television and I don't like his tie. Mm-hmm. Why why does every everybody wear black jackets? Mm-hmm. Have they no imagination? I don't like her hairstyle. Mm-hmm. That kind of surface
0: okay. judgment. Okay, so called surface level judgments. Yeah. Okay. Uh, about the tie, about what the clothes that someone's wearing and thank you. And then I just thank everyone. It takes judgments are um to to say our judgments makes is to be vulnerable to some extent. So I, I thank everyone. It's not um, they may f- feel uh, what um, simple and but they're actually these. This is deep material. So one or two more, please.
2: Uh, well, I'm uh, major judgments on myself, of course, but um, also on the school teacher, mm-hmm. and um, I have to be extremely careful mm-hmm. not making judgments about kids mm-hmm. because I don't know the history that they're bringing into the classroom mm-hmm. you know, instead of just saying, oh, that kid's a real troublemaker.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So so perhaps knowing that in the past you've sometimes been judgmental towards kids and you, you know that that can have a, on certain people, can have a devastating effect. Yeah.
2: You know. Please. I notice that my judgments are usually the harshest towards myself, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of like, I do something I don't like and then all of a sudden I'm a bad person, mm. I am badly of myself because of my action mm-hmm. as opposed to
0: you know, yeah. So so judgments towards self and they can be they can be really harsh. Maybe one more and then I'll um Okay. okay. Um yeah. <laughs> Got four. I wonder um, who really wants it. <laughs> I'll, I'll do okay in the back. Uh, one, two, three, and then we'll move on. <laughs> okay. So in the in the very back. Yeah. I can't settle my mind enough to just read it literally. Yeah. So you're reading uh, Ken Wilber and you who's who's a um transpersonal psychologist. I actually once did a book on him. Did you do you know that? Yeah. Yes. So
1: <laughs>
0: So um I could give another talk on the material you've just brought up but uh, but uh so you're but you're finding yourself judgmental towards what you take to be certain kinds of narcissism and and so forth mm-hmm. and it's hard to settle your mind mm-hmm. great not not great that that's <laughs> happened, but, <laughs> but great that you've mentioned it okay. thank you and please okay yeah i would pick, uh the never
2: ending cycle of judgment yeah On for quite some time, and I was able to let go of that completely, and it was so refreshing. But within a couple of hours, I was judging myself, saying, "Oh, you, you know, you, you need to be more firm in your resolve, Mm -hmm. you know." And and I was judging myself for letting go of that judgment.
0: Mm-hmm. So, it's, so, so thank you. It's the, so the judgment of um, finding yourself making a judgment, letting go of the judgment, and then later judging yourself for letting go of the judgment. <laughs> okay, but thank you. I think it points to the um, what the complex, the almost convoluted nature of judgments. The way we get totally caught in the in this mesh, and it's very hard to find. It's like we're in this labyrinth. And it's very hard to get to find our, our ways out. So last one. I think somebody mentioned this last week, that
1: the most amazing judgment of all, which is judging people for not being as kind and accepting as I <laughs> oh, am. <yeah. laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so I think, see, we're... we're part, see, partly the naming of the judgments does send us on a little bit of a journey, doesn't it? You mention, and, and just maybe naming that publicly can be significant because you... Can see the absurdity of it, right? I, I am judgmental towards this other person for not being as accepting as I am. <laughs> so it's uh, great. So thank you so much. It's really it really takes us into the territory. It shows us the poignancy of this work with judgments in the in this limited but very charged uh, uh, area that we that we explore. Um, and it shows also that, that way that sometimes it's, we can feel trapped in judgments. Like many of the judgments, it's very hard to find our ways out. They can feel like, oh my God, this is my mind, it's a mind of judgments. I can't get out of it, I I let go of the judgments and I judge myself for letting go. You know, I, <clears throat> I judge myself, I judge another for um, not being as non-judgmental as me. I mean, it just feels... It can feel like, oh my God, this is just my mind. I'll never get out of here. I'm trapped. Help! <laughs> what do I do? And um, and of course, there's also suffering. You know, we can be humorous about this, but there's a lot of suffering. You know, the the harshness of judgments towards others and self can be can be very powerful, deep suffering. That is. Um, um, can really take away our whole joy, and even sometimes, even for periods of time, the meaning that we have in our lives. That is, so it's very, it's very powerful, difficult material. So I thought I'd begin just with a, a little review, or, or, not, or continue, I should say, continue with a, sh- a review of this um, very pivotal retreat where I looked a lot at judgments. And I wanted to, I wanted to read a poem to, to begin, because this was, uh, let me, I think it's right here. Yep. For those who weren't here last time, I reported on a retreat where I had been working for many years primarily with mindfulness practice, working with judgments, just really naming them, noticing when they're there, just seeing, oh, this is my judgment, very much like we've just done, which I think is, is the, this first uh, work that we do with judgments, is just to get a sense of the territory, to name them, this is, these are my judgments, these are my top ten, you know, oh, Here's number seven with a bullet. <laughs> you know, you know, that, that's my judgment. And, it, it, and it, it, it's actually quite skillful. You know, if you want to write down a list of your top ten judgments, it can be very helpful because part of what we're doing here is we're bringing what is somewhat hidden, somewhat unconscious out into the open. And so just the naming, the noticing, the identifying, even the making public. I think everyone who made public your own judgments here i don't think those judgments will ever be the same that is to me that's quite significant and so write list of your judgments you know send them out on email if you want to your friends <laughs> or compare your judgments with other people and just to name them to get this uh, inventory an inventory of my judgments is a starting point for the work and just to notice them to notice when they're there to name them and so for many years i just you know i would sit there saying in, out, in, out. I'm not doing so good in meditation. Judgment. Hmm.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm really... No, it's really the truth. It's not just a ju- judgment. <laughs> hmm, I'm judging a lot. Judgment. <laughs> and and just to do that kind of noticing really creates this space because our our starting minds when we come to practice are... They're automatic minds. They're minds in which we don't have any space. Everything is coming quickly. We don't, have a, we don't have too much consciousness, usually, of what's happening. And just to notice them, to name them, is very, very freeing. And so for myself, that was a practice I did for many years. And um, some years ago, there was a turning point when I did a long retreat with the guidance of John Travis. And he was noticing that I was, uh, that there were some residues that were connected with very harsh self-judgment at the time that I had just come from a period in which I had been working in the world a lot for like nine years. I was really harsh to myself. Oh, you should have meditated. You blew it spiritually. You know, you're, And it was, it was harsh. It was not very kind. And, and, you know, as I could unpack it, there might be some insights there, but the energy was harsh. It was somewhat, uh, even somewhat, um, if I followed it, it would be somewhat paralyzing even, you know, because it would... It would be. Um, it could lead me just to be despairing, or to to have um, some doubts that would um, cause me not to continue or not to act. And so, he had me work with the judgments in in this um, powerful way, not just to name them, but in the context of a retreat, to when they were present, to watch them, to notice them. This, the first mindfulness practice is to just name them, to just notice that they're there. The second is to feel what they're like, feel a little bit more of the texture. How do judgments come? What do they look like? How long do they last? How do they affect the body? What's the emotional energy like? And to go into a little more depth of really noticing them. Well, so one can sit there naming them, I am judging myself right now, to name that and then just to feel what's going on second second kind of practice, then he also had me do this wonderful practice where uh, at the end of every sitting, I summoned the judgments that were had been around for the last twenty four hours and i told I said last time at the beginning of the retreat, I summoned some of the judgments that I brought into the retreat, you know such as comparing myself with others or thinking that I should have done something else and and so forth or at the time, I was also being—I was very critical of some of my colleagues at the school where I was teaching, and, and so forth. There was all part of a mix where I was. There was um, a lot of that energy, and what he had me do was to um, summon the judgments, let them be in my mind for a while, because they primarily came verbally. I think you know maybe people's, some people's judgments come very somatically at times, but mine came verbally. They came as verbal. Uh, statements with the complete assurance that what was being said was completely true, and there was no question about it. <laughs> you know this is the complete truth, end of story, move on, and so forth and and so they came verbally, and then I would let them be present verbally until they played themselves out, and then I would listen in body and heart sometimes. At Spirit Rock, we talk about this as a dropping down practice. It takes a certain amount of silence in the mind, but when the mind is somewhat silent, one can work with the mental phenomena and this is something especially good to do, not just with judgments, but with any mental phenomena that are repetitive that come a lot. You know it might be you know some repeated dialogue with a particular person that just goes in one's mind over and over again. You can notice that. Let it play itself out, and then if your mind is somewhat quiet, listen for what's happening in the body and the heart. We talk about this as dropping down, dropping down to the body from the head, as it were, and just listening, not to try to make anything happen, not to try to figure anything out, but just to listen for what's there. And so I did this over um, several months, doing two months on retreats, doing this 10, 12, 20 times a day for about 10 minutes at a time. And, and I continued, as I mentioned, for about another year or two after that, doing the same practice. And after about a month at the retreat, I started to notice that every time that I really listened in my body, that there were the judgments would come, I would listen in my body, I would start to feel some kind of pain, particularly some kind of emotional pain, that the judgments You know, that there might be, if I would judge myself for how I had been the last years, and I would check into my body, I started to feel some kind of sadness or grief. The judgment, in a way, was covering over the sadness or grief. If I was more in touch, I would go to the sadness or grief. And I would notice with other kind of judgments, uh, there would also be some kind of pain. It could be a different kind of pain. It could be some physical pain. It could be I mentioned last time how I would um, notice if there was a judgment I made in the dining hall. My favorite judgment was that the condiment line is arranged so it's moving incredibly slowly. <laughs> Anyone who's done a retreat will no doubt recognize this, that you know they, you know, they have tacos today and there are ten, ki- ten kinds of condiments and it takes a half hour to get through the line and they, would, they should arrange it differently. And and what I found was that when I dropped down, even I started dropping down even to that kind, which was not, you know, not tremendously existentially challenging to my personality, but it still was happening. And so I would, I would drop down. I would notice, oh, there's some pain. It's impatience. I'm impatient. And if you asked me, I would just, I would, would. If you asked me, were you impatient when the judgment first came? I would say, no. This is just obviously badly set up, (laughs) you know, but I wouldn't notice that there was some pain. And so what I came to notice virtually every time when there was a judgment, I would find some kind of pain that usually was unacknowledged that was connected with the judgment. I, I looked at that so many times that I, it just, something dawned on me, oh, judgments are in a way a kind of defense mechanism that covers over unacknowledged pain that's sometimes beneath the threshold of awareness and I use the judgment so that I can go to a stance where I, in a way, feel safe, but I don't have to touch the pain there. When I would drop down, I would touch the pain. I would hang out there. Over time, much of what was forming the judgments, I touched the pain enough so that there was a kind of healing that takes place. Because I think the core of healing is open, kind presence, to an area of pain. That's, in a way, what healing is. It's a lot of what the dynamic of meditation is to the extent that it's healing. We can touch an area that's painful with this open presence. And I think many of us know that very well. But that's, in, in, the, in the work of judgment, that is, that is getting to the core of the work. If we can get to the pain and open to it and be with that pain, with presence, what seemed to happen was that the the judgments would tend to dry up. There would be some intelligence connected with the judgments which would be disconnected from the pain. And this, is, this, is a, this, to me, is the primary work that we do with judgments. It's to name them and then be able to go, to listen more deeply for the painful area and at our own pace to touch what's painful, whether it's big or small. And sometimes we need other tools for that, and over time, the source of the judgments, if we, have, if we can touch that pain with kind presence, the source of the judgments tends to dry up. That's certainly what I found, that there was a certain kind of healing that took place over time with repeated staying there. And again, the, the principle of our meditation, that we, we, this particular practice that we do, is not instant, quick healing, but it's the continued bringing of kind attention to a given area that's difficult brings healing over time. And so it really requires that discipline. If I just did this once or twice, had the insight, and then left, uh, not too much would have happened. I needed to go back to it over and over and over again whenever it was calling, as it were, whenever it was present. I thought I'd read this poem. At the end, near the end of the cycle, when there was quite a lot of um, um, seeing and healing... That had taken place about six weeks into the retreat, I just um, one morning I woke up and we were waking, waking up about five at the retreats um, and so I called this poem five a m wake up call <laughs> and this was a poem that just came out in five minutes uh, one morning and this this was about the idea that I had that I had kind of spent too much time doing other things rather than what my heart was wanting in form of more spiritual practice. And so this was here's the poem. And to me this reflected a certain amount of healing and working through that judgment. 5 a.m. wake-up call Sometimes I think I'm waking up too late I have practiced the Dharma for 24 years. People my age and younger have had their, their openings. You can hear the comparison, the judgment and are now respected teachers whom I find now teaching me. My hair is beginning to turn gray, my belly moving slowly sideways some. (laughs) um, Actually, retreats um, are very good for losing weight. (laughs) Sorry, I'll just read the poem. (laughs) 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 Cut the commentary. (laughs) At times I feel sad about the years spent scared and constricted. But what does the soft fog of the late night sky really care about all that when it's met in the great space of the present? What is important for my friend who despairs when she is heard and held? I wake up with a story behind me that is my own and that still echoes in my body and heart. Yet my lamentation, I wake too late, echoes now not as reproach, but as compassion, quivering in the stillness of the new morning. And so that's, I think that's really the movement that we look for as much as that poem captures it. There's a beautiful line from the, um, I think it's from, from the Jewish Talmud. It says this, Greater the righteous, for they transform judgment into mercy greater the righteous, for they transform judgment into mercy. So, if that's, if that's the work we do, then what are the tools we use? And I, I mentioned mindfulness practice, and I, and I also mentioned the practice of loving-kindness last time. Very important practice, because sometimes the judgments can feel overwhelming, and it's very useful sometimes just to have a way of balancing out the, the judgment. So it could be to really bring out the kindness in ourselves and just to hold ourselves very kindly. So I think that mindfulness practice is not enough as a tool. We need to have a practice that sometimes just holds us, stabilizes us, balances us, gives us perspective. That's why I love the teaching of the Brahma-Vihara, the divine abodes, because they teach that we have to have all of these qualities of loving-kindness, compassion, and joy and equanimity together, or we're going to be a little bit out of balance. And so if we're finding that judgments are very harsh and very difficult, I think it's very skillful sometimes not to go right into them, but sometimes to go into loving-kindness or to go into something which brings about joy, to cultivate beauty, Very, very helpful. I think in in times of strong judgment to cultivate beauty and joy can be extremely skillful. So I think that's a second kind of tool, something that helps balance us, stabilize us, bring about a sense of lightness and kindness. A very helpful tool that just really holds us as a, whatever, in Christian language we would say a son or daughter of God or someone with Buddha nature who's having a few problems at the moment. (laughs) You know, Uh, To to really have that perspective, I think, is crucial for this work with judgments. And then the the third practice is something like that practice of inquiry. In a way, we could say that the mindfulness practice works with the mind, the loving-kindness and the joy works with the heart. I think it's also important to work sometimes with the body, and that dropping down and listening, as it were, in the body, what I was talking about in that kind of inquiry practice, is a beautiful practice that can really help us to open up to what's connected with the judgments. And sometimes it's just to let the judgments be present, let them play themselves out. And we, this can only work when our minds are somewhat quiet because it's not about thinking, figuring out and so forth. But it's about listening. What's really present? Just ask that question. What's really here? And listen. And be careful about trying to produce an answer. And to be satisfied often with just listening and not getting an answer not feeling what you think you should feel. But that quality of inquiry and deep listening is a very vital practice for the judgment work and it it lets us open up. Sometimes when we um, move into emotions that are connected with judgments, we can let them move and they sometimes change into other emotions. That sadness can change into caring or, or love. And we, I think we have to, be, we have to allow for, for movement. We have to allow for the way that everything keeps changing. And I wanted to mention a fourth tool that I didn't mention before, that I didn't mention last week. The first tool, mindfulness. The second, sort of the, the mix of loving kindness, joy, cultivating beauty, gaining perspective and balance. The third tool, this deep listening and inquiry. And a fourth tool, which can be valuable for some of us, is something like reflection. To reflect on, I think, I think we, um, someone mentioned it before, but I remember we mentioned it last week. You know, Someone last week mentioned how she reflected on the judgments that she had, and she said, a lot of them I've inherited from my family. We can think, see how we've inherited certain judgments from our culture. And we can sometimes reflect and ask questions. I, I find myself uttering this judgment. Do I really believe it? Very good question to ask. Why do I think it's true? So, radical, so a kind of radical reflection can be very helpful. Or if I'm judging another person, can I, sometimes I can reflect, let me reflect on the positive qualities of this person. It can be a balancing factor. Or let me, if I'm in a conflict with someone, let me reflect on the conditions which brought both of us to this place. And so sometimes reflection, which in a way is a, is a use of the mind, can help us disentangle if we find ourselves to be primarily mentally uh, oriented people, reflection may be a better tool to use later once we've already kind of gone out of the, the over, overly thinking aspect of judgments. But I do want to mention that because it's a very, it's a very uh, powerful tool. You know, I know um, there's a woman named Byron Katie that some of you know who uses a practice of inquiry, which really is a kind of reflection, and she asks people to reflect how... Is my, is, how do I really know that my judgment is true? Do I know that it's true for sure? And later in her inquiry, how many people know her work yeah, Very interesting work. Later she asked, we can then reflect, how is the judgment I make about others also true about myself? And that can be a very powerful question to ask, because guess what? Has anyone noticed? It's that, uh, that way that last time I mentioned how something that has really struck me from the psychology of Carl Jung, he says, that which we don't recognize in ourselves, know in ourselves, we tend to project outwardly into the world and encounter as demons. That which we don't know in ourselves well, we tend to see as totally other, as even demonic and judge it very harshly. Very interesting insight. So that question, how is what I'm judging about another true about myself, can be a powerful question. If everything gets too complicated, we don't know what tool to use, just use mindfulness and loving kindness. So, I think I'll I'll end right here. Let me see. I think I will just end with a um, wish that all of us may go deeply into looking at judgments, and may we um, may we heal and use the intelligence in judgments for compassionate action with ourselves and with others. So thank you. So if anyone would like to either ask anything about what's been said or share some of your own work and how you worked with judgments, please. And then, you know, and why don't you say your name also? Janet. Janet. Um, and I'm sorry,
2: I to move a little bit earlier. Okay. okay. Yeah, it was really good working with her once and I can see the comfort aspect of them that we really clearly. And I mentioned last week about a point that I was having a consistent
1: yeah. this with consistent
0: sister and I was <laughs> and doing this in
2: But in fact, that still comes up like I... I go, you know, I go back and forth between opening to what's behind my judgment of her, the fear, the hurt, the anger. Mm-hmm. The anger's been more surface, but this you know, fear came up as something new, Um, and then, you know, feeling more open to her. But I guess what, I, this is, okay, I I am having this experience of thinking it's not fair though because I know she's not letting go of her judgments of me. You are? And I am yeah. a lot. I mean I'm doing a lot of work and I know in many ways she's probably not capable of it. it. Sounds like a judgment, but I think it's also an observation. Yeah. But anyway, there's something about it being not fair. It's like, okay, I'm gonna open, open, let go, open my heart and so anyway, I don't know what, mm-hmm. but it's just an observation.
0: It's a deep it's a deep uh, question that um um, this, this sense of when we're in a conflict or in a relationship where we may notice that I have judgments, the other person has judgments. I do, I do work on mine, but the other person just goes ahead being judgmental. That's not fair, that other person, you know, because I have to... That other person is not getting my judgments, but I still get the other person's. Um, and does anyone relate to that? <laughs> okay, it's, it's actually a very big one. It's it's not just uh an interpersonal issue, it's we could take it to be a social issue. And it's really the question of um to what extent do I have judgment and even suffering when I do what I think is best and others do what they do. And it's I, I think it's um something that is a very powerful issue and it's... um, You could take that's not fair as a judgment into which to inquire Mm -hmm. and see what's there. Because I think we each have to um, come to peace with this in some way and and, and you can take that as a starting point for inquiry. See what that's about inquire into it because there's a lot of very powerful material there. Um, maybe that's, that's enough to say. I, um, would anyone else like to say anything about that issue? I know some of, the, some of you have worked with that. Please.
2: Um, as I um, work with it a lot, what has helped me is um, remembering that what I learned here, and that was, what is robbing my peace? Mm-hmm. And uh, when I remind myself that something is robbing my peace, I, I, I shift. I focus on getting back my
0: peace. Finding back your peace, and another, Janet. Another that that's that can that can be very very helpful. Just to you know to say. Um, I'm giving away my peace because something else isn't happening. Another perspective that you can work with, it really has to do... Again, this is where the teaching of the divine abodes is so helpful because it's really about the balance of certain qualities of the heart. And one of the qualities that's developed is equanimity. One of the ways that equanimity is taught is to help recognize that each person has his or her own trajectory, about which we don't have control. And sometimes the equanimity practice is said very much like... Uh, it can be said in different ways. It's, it's, it's used like, like a loving-kindness practice, but one can uh, say the phrase over and over again to oneself um, in relation to oneself or others, but one can say in relation to another person... Um, this person this person's um, peace and happiness and suffering are dependent on this person's uh, actions not on my wishes for the person and to repeat that or another version would be no matter what I wish for things are as they are it's a truism but when I do that practice I instantly get in my consciousness whatever it is that I wish for that's not like I want, because there's something that we could say. There's something that's not being understood, maybe, about the other person's trajectory, and about how we really, in some ways, can't control it. And that can that can that kind of uh, insight can be developed by focusing on equanimity. Yeah, Thank you. you're welcome. You had a question, please.
1: Oh, Say during the week, uh, one of the things I I did, and I tried to be playful about it, was that when judgments came up, I identified what I was feeling, and then I took the words and I changed them around to see what I felt. Yeah. If I said, "Oh, that person is just awful." Yeah. What if I said, "Are they awful?" And and are they? Are they awful? Yeah. Are they awful? Uh, Or some other variation, and realizing how relative the words were to the. The feeling, mm-hmm. and uh, it was very interesting. And then, kind of a discernment came up, mm-hmm. where there was all this diversity of different thoughts about the subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, realizing that I didn't need to get stuck in one particular
0: opinion. Mm-hmm. So, say, say your name is Stephen. Again. Stephen. So Stephen, I think, brings forth the the spirit of uh, inquiry, experimentation, even playfulness with judgments, I think all of which gives a certain amount of space around them. It makes everything kind of workable, you see. I mean, this is really, this is the great blessing of this practice, that that which in the past plunged us into torment is now workable. That's, that's, that's That's what these tools help us to do, and we can bow to them. You know, mindfulness and loving kindness and a reflection, certain teachings, they help us... They help us make uh, these difficult states uh, workable. And, uh, but I love the quality of uh, playfulness and inquiry and experimentation. And just to see, okay, what's this really about? You know, what's this, what's this phenomenon like that's in me that, that is connected with my suffering? What is it really about? Can I really look at it? Let me play. Let me change it. Let me, let me um, ask questions about it. You know, This person is really awful. Do I really know that? Do I really know the person? You know, often we find that our strongest judgments are in our areas of greatest ignorance.
1: That's what came up. The <laughs>
0: <laughs> Interesting phenomenon. Huh? I mean, we. Uh, uh, thank you. That's that's a, 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 a I think wonderful inspiration to others. Anyone else like to share? Please.
2: You left and right, and lost. Yeah, I had this kind of I stopped going to aerobics right away because they have the big mirrors there, and everyone goes to the right, and I go to the left. <laughs> 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 so, I made this big blanket judgment I can't, I can't be in circles every time it comes to a circle or couples, I kind of get out of there. <laughs> so, this weekend, by circumstances, really, I found myself in a whole day workshop for dance. My husband was playing music, and I was there. So, anyway. And I decided to try this judgment thing and really look, just look at it again. Um, and I found it was so fascinating. I do it a lot in a lot of things, but that was so fascinating because that was the truth. And I had to work with that. And I went into the circle. And my mind kept going out of And I, I looked what it is under it. Under it was the fear of making a mistake, mm-hmm. obviously, perfection, all of those wonderful things. Mm-hmm. So I took myself here and I said, You're staying. <laughs> <laughs> and I stayed in the circle. Mm-hmm. And as it evolved, um, I found myself more and more enjoying it, really. And I looked around and I did compare myself. And I saw it went from regular dancing to the square dancing, and I found all kind of excuses. I said, I'm going to it to everyone. I'm going to step on everyone's feet. <laughs> 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 you know, nobody would be able to, mm-hmm. to do that. And um, I ended up also noticing, and that's comparing, that a lot of people had the same situation as I did. That I, I just before imagined that everyone in the circle can do it. Mm-hmm. one of their things. Mm-hmm. But I ended up really enjoying the day and really getting... I had a lot of fun, except the next day I danced so much that the next day I had to be almost in the
0: hospital. But, <laughs> <laughs> but did you judge yourself for that? Did you judge yourself for that? Um, almost. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I had a lot of fun and I felt like I cleaned my glasses. Now I can be yeah. bring the situation to such a well. heat. Uh, thank, you, thank you so much. It's a wonderful, wonderful story, but it shows, it shows that working with judgments does require some courage, some discipline, experimentation, to, to go into the dancing situation, to go into situations where there might be charge, where we might typically judge ourselves, compare ourselves. It involves, once we get to be aware of some of the judgments, I think we can actually say, okay, I'm going to go into this area of life, or this uh, phenomenon where I typically judge myself, and I'm just going to let them happen. Because part of the naming of judgments that work with them means that they don't quite have as much power. You know, it's like the mountain climber who says, I'm afraid, I'm keeping on going. right? Because there's certain awareness of it and certain discipline. And so it's wonderful. And also, you never know. I mean, uh, all, all of these judgments are... Kind of relative to other values, I, know, I was just thinking when you were saying that, my mother and father met dancing, and my mother knew that he was the uh, person she was going to marry because he stepped all over her feet <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know <laughs> so none of these things are um, clearly good or bad <laughs> in some way, uh, but thank you, thank you for the story so. We're we're just a minute or two over, so I think I want to um, just bring us to a close now. So if we can just be quiet for a minute or two. And I would invite people to continue this work with judgments. I'm tending to think next week I'll, I'll work on a different theme. But we can still, in the um, in the discussion time, particularly before the talk, we can continue to talk about judgments and work, work with them. Unless you want to really work with judgments another time. But I'm, my tendency to think is that I'll, I'll move to another theme that would be related, maybe. And so, if you want to work with judgments for the next week, let's say, See if there's an intention for yourself that's forming. How do I want to work with judgments? What would be skillful? Is there a tool that I might use? And so we close by recognizing that we do this work for ourselves, but we do this powerful transformation of judgments also for others. To transform judgment into mercy. For our own sakes and for the sakes of others. And may we share our transformative work widely with others, with the world, to help others transform themselves into the quality of mercy. So thank you so much. And please tell me your judgment stories. (laughs) Keep in touch. (laughs) Thank you.